Hello, thank you for downloading this podcast from Teacher. I'm Rebecca Vukovic. In this episode of our Behaviour Management podcast series, we speak to Associate Professor Anna Sullivan from the University of South Australia. Since 2011, she's been working on the Behaviour at School study, which explores the existing state of student behaviour in South Australian schools. To date, two reports have been published, which detail the findings of the initial stages of the project. The second stage findings have resulted in a framework for developing and enacting humane behaviour policies and practices in schools. In today's interview, we talk more about what it means to enact respectful school-wide behaviour policies and the role of school leaders in doing so. But to kick things off, Anna gives listeners a brief overview of what this whole study is about. We wanted to uh, investigate what's going on in schools around uh, basically student school discipline and behaviour. At the moment, um, or for some time really, there's been quite a lot of concern around behaviour in schools and it's been described by some people as almost like a moral panic, um, that schools are out of control, that students aren't behaving, teachers can't teach, uh, it affects the performance of students and that sort of thing. And we wanted to find out, um, is that true? What's going on? Um, we've also learnt more recently that there's a really strong link between student engagement, student behaviour and academic achievement. So the area of school discipline is of great importance. So just not only to the students and their achievements, but the school and the way it can work, parents and the broader society. So we um, had a large Australian Research Council grant with many partners to investigate uh, what's happening in relation to school discipline and behaviour in schools and we focused on South Australia sort of as the case about what's happening. So we had two major um, investigations. The first one was to investigate teachers' um, perceptions of behaviour, their nature and extent of behaviour issues in schools. And the second one um, of that phase was what strategies do they use to manage that and how prevalent are they? And then we had, um, once we'd finished that, we uh, moved into the second phase of the project and we identified schools that are doing behaviour work well, if you like, um, taking all the policies and practices together in a way that is supporting students to be engaged and productive and find out how are those schools um, taking all those policies and things together in in a coherent way to support students. So we did some case studies um, delving into specifics about what schools are doing. Earlier this year, Anna wrote an article where she said that teachers shouldn't be left to manage discipline by themselves. And in fact, it's more effective if they work together to resolve student behaviour issues. Drawing on her research from the study, I asked her to share what this would look like in practice. The research from the Behaviour at School study shows that 
uh, teachers are um, on the whole very stressed and uh, find managing student behaviour quite difficult and it's not um, surprisingly from the project was it wasn't the aggressive antisocial behaviours they do occur but they're not actually that prevalent it was more the disengaged being late for class avoiding doing schoolwork mucking around and sort of low-level disruptive behaviours that are really prevalent in classrooms and that teachers find very very difficult to manage they use uh, strategies like um, you know having a conversation with them trying to reason with them in class or out of class or they use what we call step systems where they remove them from the learning environment to try and get them to think about their behavior and so teachers can get on with things and students get on with things but the teachers told us that that doesn't work it doesn't change the behavior of the students so they get quite stressed um, and we also know in particular that early career teachers find um, managing student behaviour in their learning environments very, very challenging and very difficult and it's one of the major reasons that they provide for leaving the profession. So with all of that in mind, what we found when we went into the five schools was that they did things a little bit differently to what traditionally would be expected in schools. They um, modified the architecture where possible when they were building um, learning spaces or in old sort of buildings they took away doors they arranged teachers so that they could work and encourage them to work collaboratively so instead of a teacher being quite isolated let's say in a primary classroom all day doing their own thing with their students they would work with other teachers and other students so that they were always sort of working collaboratively um, what that means is is that if they've got a student who's I don't know you know presenting with some challenging behaviors often a teacher can't just you know spend a minute with them and move on and that's fixed they might have to sit down and um, I don't know maybe it's a conflict resolution issue um, work through a process to help resolve that conflict with that student and other students and of course that takes that teacher away from the rest of the class so if they're working on their own they can't do that so what they tended to do for many many years is just remove that student from the learning environment so they can continue with their teaching and the other students but we know that that exacerbates the problem. But if they're working collaboratively and closely with other teachers and it's all easy to do, they might have the other teachers sort of take over, monitoring what the students are doing so that the teacher can go and resolve that particular conflict with a small group of students. So it's more seamless, more supportive, and it helps um, actually address the issues to begin with early on allows them to do that um, and so they aren't exacerbated, <laughs> de-escalated and then the teachers are less stressed and enjoy their work more and that sort of thing. When analysing the data in this study, the researchers found there were five common themes across the case studies that showed how schools enacted respectful student behaviour policies. Here, Anna talks listeners through the five themes. We found that there, across the schools, what was really common was they had all had a philosophy for what we just called as um, enacting humane behaviour policy. So they were really committed to treating students and families well. Um, they had really clear principles and values which they used to guide the way they did things and the decisions they made in the school. And they were all completely different, but they're all respectful. So some were about respect, excellence, cooperation, honesty, community, all those sorts of ideas. 
um, guided the way they did things. And some of the schools that we um, we went in and researched were described as what um, commonly known in Australia would be quite challenging sites, students um, with quite complex needs, um, and and those schools. Really, what we said was that they rejected deficit views of students in their community. So, really clearly committed to the ethic of care of the students and the family, committed to fostering um, social and emotional well-being, really focusing on the educative sorts of relationships that they could um, provide, and providing really rigorous learning um, environments through engaging pedagogy. So that was sort of the key philosophy. And they were so committed to that, one of the next themes that we found was is they made sure that they had the right staff to enact that philosophy. And it wasn't just a focus on the teaching um, personnel, it was on anyone who worked in the school, could have been this person at the front desk, person running the canteen or whatever. So, um, for example, we had principals tell us um, when they had started at those schools that there might have been staff members who used to yell at students or you know, be really grumpy with them. They made sure that those staff members were really clear that that is not how we treat people. We want to treat them humanely. We want to treat people respectfully. And they gave those staff members the chance to change the way they interacted and, um, with students and families in their school. And if they didn't change and if they didn't adopt that um, po you know positive, I guess, philosophy for working with students, they actually moved them out of the school. They, the principals of these schools, just said we cannot have a member of staff in any any role um, going against the way we treat children because then it provides an uncertain environment for them. So they were really, really clear about that. The third theme that we found, um, other was very interesting, was in these schools they placed a really important priority on what we called the place and space, and that that's the architecture, the design of the buildings, uh, the furniture, how things were laid out, the outside areas. You know, from the very moment that you arrived at the schools, the front gate, making sure it was all welcoming and it looked lovely, neat and tidy, a place where kids and families wanted to come. One of the secondary schools school principals went in and took off all the doors in the off all the classrooms so that it was more open and fluid and to encourage teachers to work together. So that was another surprising finding. The um, fourth one was around what we called fostering an engaged and supportive school community. And I think all schools think that they do that, but we found something special in in these schools. Um, and that was the way they, um, you know, they went beyond the meetings with parents and the barbecue and the newsletter. And they did other things. So committed to building really supportive environments with the families was another um, key issue. And the last one was, well, you know, when all that doesn't work, what happens? So what policies and practices do they um, actually use when things aren't working? And the, I think the major thing we found was is because they were focused on more of an educative approach than what we would call a punitive approach, like punishing kids, but, you know, okay, there's a problem here. So one was seeing things as a problem. Um, or a conflict that needed to be resolved. And so the schools just had different processes. Some were using restorative practices, different versions of that, and um, some were using tribes and circle times and all sorts of different things. But they had sort of common practices across the schools 
um, which enabled them to focus on issues that were related to behaviour as a problem that needed to be solved in, in usually educative ways. So maybe it was that the student had anger management issues, what can we do, let's build a program for all our students about how to manage anger and identify that and support the teachers to you know, utilise different strategies or whatever. So um, there was a really clear leadership in those schools to support teachers to think about uh, behaviour issues in different ways so that they collaborated together, saw, saw the issues as a problem that needed to be resolved rather than needing to be punished. In one of the reports from this study, the researchers write, the challenge for schools is to enact policies that do not aim simply to control students, but rather aim to treat students with respect and enable them to develop as individuals. Here, I ask Anna to explain why it's important that school leaders emphasise student engagement rather than behaviour management. There was some research done in Western Australia a few years ago that investigated the trajectories, academic trajectories of students against their behaviour. And what they found was over four consecutive years, only 40% of students um, were described as having what they call productive student behaviours. That's behaviours that, you know, help them with their learning, I guess, and being at school. 20% um, of students were consistently unproductive. And then 40% fluctuated and um, what they found was is that in that group at any t any year there were about 20% of students who were described as disengaged and when they mapped those students against their academic outcomes they found that the disengaged students did not perform much better than the students who were described as uncooperative or challenging behaviours and they never caught up academically. So being disengaged has a huge impact on students' academic achievements and we're all interested in that. But they're the students who don't cause any problems in the classroom, they might actually be doing some work, um, but they're not really engaged with what they're doing. So that's really important for us in Australia to understand that you know a fifth of our students might actually be disengaged and not causing any problems, yet we don't really put any resources into those students um, or into teachers um, to re-engage them or find other ways of dealing with things. So why is it important? Well, we found in our study that the schools that um, were doing things well didn't really talk about behaviour. They didn't have really, um, you know, evidence around the, the the schools or in their policies or the way they taught that they were focusing on behaviour. They didn't talk about the naughty students or how they were going to manage it or those sorts of things. Their their focus was always on learning engaging students, you know, what pedagogies they were doing, what they were doing with curriculum. Just the whole focus was on that sort of professional discussion and that focus. So if they had a problem with a student, it was seen as, well, we've got this, this student who's, you know, struggling in maths, what are we going to do about it? And they'd wrap around that student and see it as an issue that needed to be resolved from an educational point of view rather than the students not behaving, um, so we'll implement these sorts of consequences and ring the parents or whatever. So um, it was just flipped. Australian schools are required to implement school discipline related policies that take into account state, territory and national legislation. Here Anna shares the research and advice that school leaders should consider when enacting their own behaviour management policies 
and why it's important that they have a clear vision when doing so. There's emerging research out of England that's looked at the um, challenges that schools have in bringing together all sorts of policies and policy documents, legislation in a coherent way. And we use that research to investigate the five schools and what, how do they actually do that? Because in, in relation to discipline and behaviour, there are lots of different policies. There's policies about student welfare, about um, you know, being absent from school, about special needs and let alone just the discipline policy. So often those policies are drawn up by various different organisations or people and sometimes they don't actually support each other. So you might have a welfare policy, a student welfare policy that, um, or wellbeing policy that's about supporting students and being caring and developing their social skills, but then you might have a discipline policy that says, well, actually, no, you don't get any chance, you get a warning and then you're going to go to timeout or you'll get a detention or whatever. And you can see that they actually don't support each other. So the schools that we studied, what they did was have really clear values and principles that guided their decisions and they um, brought policies together in a, what we would say as a coherent way so that they weren't sort of conflicting and controlling and banging up against each other mm. and it gave a really clear guidance for all staff, all members of the community and students about this is the way we do things. So they also had to do you know the mandatory things like filling in um, documents and data or whatever for their often their um, you know the department or whatever mm -hmm. um, and they, they still did that but they made sure that they prioritised policies and practices that assisted the way they wanted to do things in their schools. That's all for this episode. To keep listening or to download all of our podcasts for free, just visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or you can head to soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen acer. You'll find more information about the study we've talked about today in the full transcript of this episode at teachermagazine.com.au. That's also where you can access the latest articles, videos and infographics for free.